Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 720 to 729, select styles only. Guys being dudes. Yeah, we just gotta keep pounding, you know? Just keep pounding. Gotta keep pounding. Joe's a big fan of keep pounding these days. Just keep on pounding. You never want to stop pounding. You might want to revise that statement. Comes across a little long. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never stop pounding, kids. You heard it here first. <laughs> Better than this, it's Guys Being Dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I am Kyle Krabs, your solo host today of this hump day episode of the Dudes. And the Dolphins' victory on Monday Night Football has me in a dude mood. On Monday, I talked to Jill Marino, my typical co-host and compadre here on the show, uh, saying how little confidence I had that we would have a victory Tuesday. As, as Dolphins fans, and, and here we are. Uh, so I could stave off my expectation of a top 15 selection to keep this this theme and this, this little mini rant here right off the bat centric on the NFL draft. Uh, Joe's off today, uh, so I'm steering the ship solo. Uh, we've been hitting the film pretty hard here now that the calendar's flipped over to December. So what I want to do today is walk you guys through some of the guys that we've checked out on film there's, There's been about 20 guys in the last week that I've had an opportunity to really dig in deep on. There's more that I'm, I'm continuing to just kind of feel out. But as far as guys that have actually written up, uh, I've had about 20 in the last week, and it's a good opportunity for 
uh, us on a solo show to sit down and really let me unpack my thoughts on some of these guys. But before we do that, uh, I would like to continue the tradition that Joe Marino has set on this podcast. Uh, everybody raise your glass. We're going to pour a little bit out for Joe, not here on the show today with us. I'm also going to do pour one out here in just a moment. Uh, we are 133 days away from the 2018 NFL Draft. 133 days. And there's a number that I found very fascinating. 133 is also the number of points that the New England Patriots have scored against the Buffalo Bills in the last six games the Patriots have played against the Bills. Now, that only works out to about 23 points a game. So that's not earth-shattering. Although New England did score 0-9 and in two of those games. Uh, what I find more fascinating than the fact that the Bills ha- have allowed 133 points to the Patriots in the last six games is the New, the New England Patriots have lost to the Buffalo Bills five times, five times since the turn of the century. I'm going to say that again because I want you guys to really think about it. The year's 2017, and you can be damn well sure with Joe Marino on a week that the Dolphins play the Bills, not here to defend himself, our number is totally taking a shot at the Bills. So, the Bills have beat the Patriots five times since the year 2000. Uh, the Bills won a, uh, November 5th, 2016-13 in overtime. The Bills won 31 to nothing at Ralph Wilson Stadium September 7th, 2003. The Bills won on September 25th, 2011, 34 to 31. The Bills won December 28th, Merry Christmas Bills fans, 2014 at Gillette Stadium 17 to 9, and the Bills won on October 2nd, 2016, 16 to nothing. So, uh, for those of you who are not good at math, it's been 17 years since the turn of the century, and teams in the same division play each other twice every year. <laughs> so the New England Patriots are 29-5 and five since the turn of the century against the Buffalo Bills. Which, long story short, we had to say 133 points in six games against the Bills, in which the Patriots are 4-2, and two, uh, and you extrapolate that data back to the year 2000 and, and the Patriots 29 and five against the Buffalo Bills since the year 2000. So if you're a member of Bills Mafia, hey, you know, listen, I'm rooting for you. Um, just not week 15 and week 17. So uh, if you could somehow manage to lose both those games and uh, end your playoff drought, more power to you. Um, but that's not why we're here. I'm just having a little bit of fun at Joe's expense. Uh, We're here to talk about the NFL Draft, uh, which the NFL Draft, I was was talking with a couple of colleagues the other day, and uh, we were talking about why the NFL Draft has such a value right now to fans of every team, how it's so important and people care so much and why that is. And I, I think it's the one event in football that everybody can walk away from at some point as a winner 
and everybody can walk away and feel good and feel their team got better. There's no definitive losers on draft weekend. And as uh, spring uh, spawns hope eternal, uh, so does the draft, and the draft is an opportunity for the self-loathing fans of teams like Buffalo and Cleveland and myself as a, a Miami fan and uh, Detroit Lions fans and all these fans of teams that, you know, that they, they find ways to frustrate you every year. Doesn't matter. In the draft, you may have your preference. You may have guys you like, guys you don't. But at the end of the day, they're coming away with at least a handful of players that you feel good about helping the future of your franchise. Now, whether they actually do or not, I mean, that's a different story. But at least you can take that event and say, our team got better this weekend. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I think that's, there's no addition by subtraction, right? It's not like free agency where a guy signs with Team X by leaving Team Y. This is a pool of players, and it's just everybody lines up and makes a pick. And I think that's a, 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 what makes this event so fun and, and why I'm so thankful to to be a part of it. Um before we get into film notes, we do want to raise our glasses. we got to pour one out for a couple of folks. Starting first and foremost with Carson Wentz. I mean, holy cow. It's official. Uh, left ACL tear on a play that didn't even freaking count. It sucks. You know, unless you're a Dallas fan, and even if you are a Dallas fan, don't bring that garbage into this saying, oh, it's a poor Carson, not. Um, this sucks. Because Carson was playing terrific football this year. Um, the Eagles were are one of the most fun teams to watch. You know, I live in the Philadelphia area. I'm not a Philadelphia fan per se. But I watch this team every week because it's it's always on the television. And this team's damn fun, man. And uh, I'm certainly hoping that they still play tough defense, they transition their offense, they don't ask Nick Foles to do the same things they ask Carson Wentz to do. I think the more wise thing would be for them to uh, adjust their offense to the personnel that they still have, get the ball in their best player's hands. At this point, Jay Ajayi has to be a much bigger influence and piece the Philadelphia offense. Uh, really let him get going, trying to transform your offense a little bit. Just change the play calls up. I think that's the way that the Eagles are going to find the most success down the stretch here, potentially trying to secure a first-round bye now that they've clinched the NFC East. And Speaking of JHI, there's some folks I want to raise our glasses for and pour one out, and that's the folks, myself included, that uh, felt that the Dolphins were fleeced by trading away JHI uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles because, as it turns out, Kenyon Drake's pretty damn good. <laughs> um, Drake on Monday night football against the New England Patriots, uh, over 175 all-purpose yards, over 100 yards rushing in the game. He had one of the sickest spin moves uh, I've seen hit in live action in quite a while. Uh, defender crashes down into the the uh, interior gap, uh, comes head up on Kenyon Drake, who's just coming out of the mesh point. Drake squares him up. Uh, spins to his right, breaks contain, big chunk gain, almost actually ran it all the way into the end zone. So great effort by Drake on the play. Uh, he's really proven himself the last couple of weeks. And uh, you know, Adam Gase has come out and said he doesn't feel that the, the Dolphins are ever necessarily going to be a team that has a quote-unquote feature back. But 
I mean, don't look now, but but Kenyon Drake's getting featured back touches. Um, if I were the Dolphins, I wouldn't necessarily prioritize running back in the first round or the second round. But if a guy like Sony Michelle were for some reason to slip into the third round, uh, which was the round that the Dolphins landed Drake in, uh, I think they'd be wise to kind of target somebody like that. And uh, you know, Drake has had some durability issues. Uh, Got a, had a lot of bumps and bruises and dings at Alabama. So uh, having somebody else behind him that has a similar skill set, I think, would, would serve the Dolphins well. And I'd like to use that segue to get into my first set of film notes uh, for, for players that I've had the chance to break down over the course of the past week or so. What does your morning sound like? Uh, goodbye, baby. She's finally asleep. <laughs> Welcome to McDonald's. Can I get a sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles? Mmm. Here's to making your morning routine a little better with a delicious breakfast from McDonald's. Mix and match two of your favorites for just $4. The sausage McMuffin with egg and the sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. What does your morning sound like? Uh, goodbye, baby. She's finally asleep. Can I get a sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles? Mmm. Here's to making your morning routine a little better with a delicious breakfast from McDonald's. Mix and match two of your favorites for just $4. The sausage McMuffin with egg and the sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Georgia running back Sony Michelle is actually going to be the first guy that I want to talk about. Because, as I said, the comparison, I think, to, to Kenyon Drake is an interesting one for his stature and running style for his size. I think there's some similarities. I will definitely say this. I don't think Michelle is as springy with his cuts. I don't think he's as, as dynamic to vacate an area in a short amount of time as what Kenyon Drake was, but... Oh man, Sonny Michelle, you know, he's at the mesh point. If he reads a gap power run and the gap's there, uh, he turns on the Jets and he hits it hard. And he's not afraid to run behind his pads. He doesn't have a, a great level of power. He's not necessarily a power back. But he'll get behind his pads and he'll run his feet. And he'll take on contact and challenge contact really well. I think that that's an area that he does pretty well at. Uh, he does have some nice cuts, lateral cuts. Uh, to kind of vacate an area. It's just not with the same quickness of what you see from Kenyon Drake. Um, Michelle overall, uh, I don't think he's necessarily as fast as what your your first look at him would suggest that he is, but that's also uh, the same vibe that I ended up getting from uh, Kenyon Drake. You know, I thought Kenyon Drake was going to be faster than what he tested at. Testing speed, you know, running back, it's a piece of the puzzle, but I'm not going to blow a guy up because he runs a little slower than I thought he would. You know, if you could see a guy can separate on the field and has uh, acceleration to run away from guys, that's what really matters. And Sonny Michelle has acceleration to run away from guys on the field. You don't have to look any further than the Florida game for a couple examples of that. Uh, so, so I think he's a really good back. I think he's a really solid day two option at back. I still like Nick Chubb over him, but I am a big fan of Sonny Michelle. Uh, Another SEC player that I dug into uh, just a couple days ago was uh, Florida defensive tackle Taven Bryan, who has now officially declared the 2018 NFL Draft as of 
uh, Monday. Oh my goodness, guys. If you're listening to this show, what I want you to do is I want you to pause this right now. I'm not kidding. Pause the show. Go pull up Taven Bryan versus Texas A&M. And uh, you can thank me when you're done watching that cut up because Taven Bryan against Texas A&M, explosiveness, hand precision, hand power, hand usage to pull offensive blockers off their spot, uh, nice lateral ability. He's not super bendy, uh, but for a guy that's listed at 290-plus, he's going to get the job done. Uh I, I watched him. I was blown away. And then I proceeded to write up his film film assessment and give him a score for his film. And uh, he's one of the five highest film scores I've given out this year so far. I've given out 80 grades. Now, there's some guys in there. Uh, Lamar Jackson hasn't got a grade. If Sam Darnold comes out, he doesn't have a grade. Um, a couple of high-profile wide receivers don't have grades. Uh, most of the offensive linemen, I feel like I've got a pretty good thumb on. Um, most of the, the high-profile edge rushers, I'm still waiting on, like, Dorrance Armstrong and Cleveland Farrell and Arden Key, uh, Hercules Mata'afa, just to confirm that those guys are coming out. Um, haven't done a lot of guys in the secondary yet, but there's nobody in this class that I can envision right now that's going to challenge that. So Taven Bryan's going to probably be a top-10 film score for me overall in the entire class. That's how good his film is. Uh, he is consistently winning first step, exploding off the line of scrimmage. Uh, he is consistently getting hip to hip with guys. What Taven Bryan's issue is, is he doesn't have a lot of production, and some people are going to turn their nose up at that. But I'm here to tell you, don't fret. Don't worry. Because, and I wrote about this over at NGTScouting.com, uh, Taven Bryan's playing in a defense and a front seven that didn't play with a lot of gap integrity all year long. And what do I mean by that? Well, Taven Bryan is responsible for shooting the gap in front of his face. And when he wins that rep and he beats that offensive ta- uh, offensive tackle, offensive guard, whatever it is that's in front of his face, and he uncovers in the backfield, several of his teammates to either side of him have been pushed out of their places. They've been pushed out of their gaps. And the ball carrier has to make a very shallow cut you know, to just cut out of the linear trajectory of Taven Bryan, who's flying off the field. Um, and he's walking you know, for 50 yards. There's, there's just not, there's levels on the front seven. And that's a problem. You know, you need to have your defensive line uh, in run D. Either everybody's uncovering in gaps and they're winning their reps. Where everybody is controlling and dictating the line of scrimmage, letting linebackers flow to the football. Florida didn't have a lot of consistency with that. And it really killed him in the run game. Uh, so, Taven Bryan, no, he didn't have a lot of sacks. No, he didn't have a lot of, uh, of tackles for loss, but it's because he's winning his reps, and the guys next to him are either getting turned out, washed out, uh, driven off the ball, or they're, they're nowhere to be found. So, don't read into the production thing from Bryan too much. It's an example of uh, the, the sum of the parts being more than the sum of the whole. Uh, there's a lot of good individual players, but that, that team just did not play well this year. And it, it was kind of... Uh, encapsulated with their record and, and the coaching search that went on there, and they made a great hire in Dan Mullen, and, and Taven Bryan actually said hiring Dan Mullen gave him pause before deciding to leave, but ultimately he decided that was what was best for him, and I think he made a good choice. My next film take here, this is kind of turning into a hot take session, I kind of like it, is uh, Western Michigan offensive tackle Chukwuma Okorafor. 
And uh, the the take here, I'll get the take out of the way early so you guys can kind of digest it as I, I break down why I feel this way. Uh, Chukwuma Okorafor is the left tackle for Western Michigan. Uh, he played opposite of Taylor Moton, who ended up being a, a mid-round selection for the Carolina Panthers this year. I would rather have Chukwuma Okorafor over any offensive tackle in the class not named Connor Williams. Uh now, it's close. It's very close. I've, I've watched all of the, the top guys, Orlando Brown, Tyrell Crosby, Mike McGlinchey, uh, Jamarco Jones. Uh, I like these guys. I like all of these guys as, as solid, like, round two offensive tackles, uh, potentially uh, back half of round one offensive tackles. But Chukwumo Korafor, he's good right now. He's got pretty solid tech. He's got great length. He's got great mobility. He's got great function. And there's there's flaws in these other guys that a core four really doesn't show. For example, uh, Orlando Brown. Uh, sometimes the the balance gets away from him. Sometimes his hands, because of how long his arms are, uh, his strikes are not clean. Sometimes those strikes get high and outside on the numbers a little bit instead of getting the guy in the center of the chest. Uh, Tyrell Crosby is a little top-heavy, and uh, his feet move well, uh, but Crosby doesn't really hinge and unlock his hips on contact, and um, that tightness shows up sometimes. It shows up when he's trying to transfer power on drive blocks that are not head-up blocks against smaller defenders or on double teams. Um and that concerns me a little bit, and I still think he's just just a fine player. I think he's a starting caliber offensive tackle. Um, Mike McGlinchey, obviously, the the foot speed is a question. He doesn't have uh, great foot speed, um, but he does have uh, plenty of length. He has plenty of strength as a drive blocker and, and getting guys off him. He's not quite as long as some of these other guys. Um, where Okorafor, um, you know, he, he'll get caught chasing guys every once in a while. But as far as like his his technique and when he's when he's in correct position, uh, he's really sticky as a blocker. He's got really powerful, like really powerful hands. He's got a great hand grip to to kind of hang on tight to defenders and keep them close to his chest. And and he's comfortable playing with his hands away from his body and still has the grip strength to really control guys in that position. And, and, and that's that's what stands out to me, is you know, you're know you able to, to sustain control of guys away from your body, and uh, you, you do well in those situations, and you don't, you, you don't give up block sheds all that easily. Uh, next one I want to talk about is, is this Saquon Barkley versus Darius Geis thing. Uh, I feel bad for Darius Geis because if he was literally any other draft class, he's he's RB1. Uh, but in my scouting career, Saquon Barkley is one of the most impressive traits, uh, prospects that I've ever scouted. And he puts it on the field. Uh, the environment around him is not conducive to averaging six yards a carry. And I don't know why that's a surprise when you know, two years ago Penn State uh, was terrible offensively. They they just don't have the bodies up front still. But they did haul Saquon Barkley, and Saquon Barkley makes a lot of things happen on his own. Is they really the only ding for Saquon 
is there's times where he tries to make too much happen instead of just kind of putting his shoulder pads down, uh, driving his feet, maybe picking up two, three yards. He tries to stop and bounce and make the first guy miss by vacating the area and with a big cut, and he cuts into somebody else. And a lot of times Penn State's mesh point stuff just takes too long. You know, Saquon's getting the ball, and there's three guys that are four yards deep in the backfield crashing into the, the mesh point. Uh, whereas Geis, um, I would kill to see LSU have a quarterback, man. Because uh, Geis really was super smooth, uh, great vision. Uh, the feet were really effective to kind of pick his way through spots. Um, he he was dinged up a little bit this year, but, but Geis is a closer. You know, make no mistake about it. His stature allows him to really get up underneath guys in short yardage situations, and he runs his feet. He's he's really good in that area. So, uh, I feel really comfortable with either one of those guys being like a top fifteen pick as of right now, where we stand right now, based on my film. Uh, both great football players. It's a vanilla vanilla chocolate thing for me. Saquon Barkley scores a little bit higher, um, but you could not do wrong in my opinion with either one of these guys. The last take I want to leave you guys with is go watch Duke Ajayafor play football. This is the Wake Forest defensive end, uh, edge defender. Uh, Ajayafor has some of the best transitions with his hands of any prospect that I've watched this year. Uh, When he's playing off of contact or avoiding a first punch, uh, he will string together cuts with ease. Uh, He's interesting. I think he's kind of like... Mississippi State Preston Smith from a couple years ago, where he's big, he's long-armed, he's like 280. You could probably get away with playing him a lot in the B-gap. Now, Preston Smith does some stand-up stuff with Washington, but I think if you look at the college tape of Preston Smith and and you look at Duke Ajayafor, a lot of similar traits where he's a little stiff in the hips, but he's really loose in the shoulders. And he's got ability to slip contact in that regard and uh, is really smooth in the B-gap to kind of slide his way through tight spots, and he's got long arms to stack blocks and control the line of scrimmage. It's a good football player. He's a really fun player to watch, uh, and he killed Florida State this year. Go watch Duke Ajayafor versus Florida State. Uh, highly recommend that you guys do. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. We had a little bit of fun at Joe's expense. He will be back on Friday, by the way, and uh, we, we will uh, – Handle some of your questions in the NDT mailbag. Uh, hope you guys uh, check back in for that. If you want to, hit that subscribe button and it'll just show up right there on your phone. It's the beauty of modern technology. Everything's at your fingertips, including the draft dudes. Uh, if you have any questions for us in the meantime, you can reach Joe while over at the Joe Marino. I am at NDT Scouting. Uh, also recommend you guys check out NDTScouting.com all the latest and greatest. We're really starting to put up some content now regarding the Senior Bowl and prospects that are declaring and our film notes on these guys. So plenty to dig into. Highly encourage you guys to swing over and check it out. I am Kyle Krabs. This is the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you on Friday and have a great rest of your day. me 
You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.